The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another week on the Business Elevation Show. I've got a tremendous guest for you today. His name's Jim Palmer and we're going to talk about Just Say Yes and about launching your dream business. Um, firstly, though, I want to say a huge thank you to my guest last week. Uh, Nick Haynes uh, joined me to talk about kindness. And Nick uh, is somebody who's really committed to um, bring more kindness into business and to people's lives. Um, but also, you know, it sounds like it's a soft thing. It isn't. It's something that um, you know can bring enormous amounts of value to organizations, to leaders, to teams, uh, and um, has you know real, real merit. Um, so if you want to ha- find out more about that, do go and listen to that show. You can also find out more about Nick at the Five Institute, which he founded. And I'd also recommend, um, it's free, take the Vitality Test on his website and uh, find out more about yourself. So I'm going to talk, as I say, to Jim Palmer. And we're going to talk about building your dream business and about acquiring the lifestyle and the business that you deserve. Now, Jim is a marketing and business building expert. He's an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. He's the host of Dream Business Coach TV, which is a hit weekly t- uh, web TV show, which is literally watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners. He also hosts um, a radio show, a podcast show called Dream Business Radio. Um, and a, his expertise is really in smart marketing and business building strategies. He's done some incredible things. He's known internationally as the creator of No Hassle Newsletters. Um, He's also created the ultimate done-for-you newsletter marketing system uh, used by hundreds of clients in nine countries. And he really, really walks the talk because he uh, has a dream business and he lives the lifestyle that he wants to live. And indeed, we're going to talk about soon the fact that he lives on board his yacht, which is currently moored off um, Rhode Island, New England. So let's talk about uh, with Jim about um, his ideas and gain some inspiration from him on building your dream lifestyle and business. He wrote a book, by the way, called Just Say Yes. I think he's, he's written a number of books. Um, so we're going to talk about Just Say Yes uh, today. So, Jim, a big welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Now, Jim, when we first spoke a few weeks ago, I asked you where you lived and you said, well, Rhode Island at the moment, which really, really intrigued me. <laughs> so tell us like a little bit running, about your... Like we're running from the law or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, your kind of home life these days and what life's like on the water. 
Well, Stephanie and I uh, decided uh, about a year ago, Chris, that we wanted to go on a big adventure. We've we've raised four kids. We now have three grandkids. And um, so we decided to sell our house of almost 30 years and and buy a big boat and live on boat, run my businesses from the boat. And, you know, it took about a year to make it all happen. I mean, especially selling the home and getting rid of stuff. You know, I don't know if you've how long you've lived in your house, but man, you can accumulate a lot of crap. <laughs> but, you know, we, we Stephanie did most of all the heavy lifting and got it done. And we actually sold the house ourselves. I kind of put some of my marketing skills to work and, and sold it ourselves in five weeks. And um, which was nice. No, no offense to realtors, but we saved a bunch of commission there. And we moved on board our boat full time in April. Two weeks later, because uh, we well, we used to live in Pennsylvania, and our boat was in uh, on the Chesapeake Bay, northern part of Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. And we we took about a 420 nautical mile trip up to Rhode Island, and where we're spending the summer. One of the reasons we're doing that is our daughter and two of our grandkids live about 15 minutes from from where our boat is tied up. So it's very exciting. And my the biggest challenge that I had, you know, going into this whole thing. Well, there's a lot, believe me, but my biggest challenge, work related, was making sure I would always have good Wi-Fi so I can keep doing shows like this and work with my clients. So that's that's been a challenge. <laughs> so what did you do with all your stuff? Did you? Did you put it all into storage, or did you get rid of we, it? Or? Yeah, we gave some stuff to our kids. Uh, the South, or, uh, Goodwill got to know us on a first-name basis, and you know <laughs> we just got rid of a lot of it. Steph, Steph found some really good uh, women's charities and gave away a ton of her work clothes and things like that. And I donated my almost my entire business library to uh, – Vietnam vets and you know they they distribute them they sell them that you know it's a good money maker but we do have one storage unit uh, which has you know our bedroom and our couch and you know our kitchen table and we really pared down though Chris so someday we won't be living on a boat anymore and we'll have to um, move in somewhere on land and so yeah we saved enough furniture where we won't have to go shopping again. And was that was that painful? I mean, um, we do sort of develop emotional attachment to objects. Or was it really, well, really refreshing to suddenly not have all of this? Now, well, well, the answer is yes to both of those. It, it was painful with some of the things. And I, I think more so for Stephanie. Um, I don't know if it's just a woman guy thing, but um, I was read, I've been ready to downsize for a couple of years. We had an acre and a half of grass. And, you know, every winter a tree would seem to come down with a winter storm and I'd spend weeks cutting it up and moving it around and shoveling the driveway. I was just tired of the whole thing. It was a phenomenal piece of property for our family, but I was ready to go. And of course, she was very attached to the home where we've raised our kids and, you know, spent most of our adult life, you know, as, as a married couple. But, you know, eventually she got, she got ready to, she, you got ready to do that. And um, yeah, it's really weird, but th- the situation we have now, Chris, is that um, everything we own is either in one storage unit and or it's on this boat and we have one car and that's it and the cool thing about living on a boat is even if we were people that like to go buy things like sometimes you'd walk around oh that's a nice antique or this is nice or for me i i I had a collection of probably almost 50 baseball hats and i love t-shirts well guess what i have five hats on the boat and i probably have 10 t-shirts and that's it i got room for no more (laughs) so so the 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 smaller house living if you want to call it that has really forced us to be somewhat minimalist i mean it's 
kind of be hard to be called a minimalist on a 50-foot boat. But, you know, it's it's really interesting. We do feel lighter. Uh, we feel a little more free, if that makes sense. We got far fewer bills, actually. The the whole experience, and we watch so much less TV than we ever did. It's We're really enjoying ourselves, to be honest with you. Thank you. So it's um, you know, having that, le- that smaller space has brought you together as well. Uh, absolutely i mean we we've had we have a great marriage but you know this is a big boat and i can't drive it by myself um i can't see the back of the boat from from where the captain's chair is so stephanie talks to me about when we're going in and out of the slip you know how close i am on left or right or starboard or port and i mean we we really have to run the boat together and she she has taken a few navigational classes so she knows the charts and all this and that so it it really we really do function as a team in, in this lifestyle and was this always in your plan of you creating your own sort of dream business and dream life? Was the boat something that you you dreamed about as a child or? Um, in- well, I've always wanted a boat. I grew up on a lake. My grandfather had the first power boat on that lake back in you know the early '60s, and that was pretty fun. A little 14 foot runabout. We thought it was like a speed Miami Vice type boat back then. But it's a <laughs> tiny little thing. It probably went 10 miles an hour. But um, so I've always I've always loved the water and loved boating. And um, you know, we bought a a 30 foot boat that was our weekend boat four years ago. And so that was our introduction. Then we sold that and got this one, you know, as far as the being part of our dream, not really. We, you know, I've, I'm about 16 years into my business and five years ago, I started a plan in which I'd be able, my goal was to be able to work three days a week. Um, and I've been doing that for actually three years now. So I, I, I handle all my coaching clients and do interviews like I'm doing with you on either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Um, and, and that's how I've been able to structure my business. I built, I've got a team in place that runs my four internet businesses and I just, all I do is the coaching and, and the interviews and and the marketing. And I also do a live event. So I do that, but for the most part, I've been able to do that. And Chris, the, the big, uh, linchpin, I guess, in the whole plan was when Stephanie retired last June from her, her, she had a 15 year career in early childhood development. And she retired from that. And that was our last, um, I don't want to call it an anchor, but it's nautical, I guess that was our last anchor geographically speaking. So because if, as long as I have internet, I can do my business anywhere. That's when we really started thinking about what do we want to do? And we originally talked about living in the Caribbean or do we just travel? We didn't know what to do. And then we, we both kind of, you know, she said, well, we love our boat. Why don't you want to live in a boat? And I said, yeah, but we're going to need a bigger boat. So, so that's how that came about. <laughs> Fantastic. Sounds, um, it's a really uh, interesting way to, to live and be. And uh, what, what got you into marketing? Um, I, I've always loved marketing. I've always, it, I look back at my, my career now and I think, I think everybody's born with, with a God-given skill and talent. And I think that was mine, even though I, I sort of played around the edges. I, I started in retail then got into, um, you know, upper levels of management and association management. I helped grow a national franchise. I worked in the uh, training business, but I was always helping the entrepreneurial owner wherever I wherever my job was, do the marketing for their business. And in 2001, I started my first business and um, the newsletters was was my my first offering. I created my first newsletter, Chris, when I was 21 years old, when I became the manager of a bicycle store. And it worked really well. 
And, you know, one of the first rules of marketing is if you do something and it works well, well, you do it again. Mm. <clears throat> so I created another newsletter, another one. And every, every job I had after that bike shop, I was creating newsletters. And then I figured I was going to be a consultant because I had kind of a, a broad range of experience. I will be a consultant, but I wasn't, I, I would, didn't have rose colored glasses. I knew starting a business consultancy can be difficult. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do something that'll bring in cash quickly. And I started offering my services, creating customer newsletters for local companies. So that's how that all started. Ah, I see. And, uh, and, and then it became a point in time when you, 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 I mean, did you always have a kind of vision of where this was going to go with these, with these four businesses and or did it, you know, grow more organically? Uh, I absolutely did not have the vision. I can be honest about that. And, and that's really, I think, part of part of the message of, of the book, Just Say Yes, is you don't always get to know kind of where you're going and what steps you're going to take to get there. I knew, I knew when I became an entrepreneur, I just felt in my, well, probably in my heart, I knew I wanted to be successful, but I kind of felt I was going to be successful, Chris, but I didn't know when. And I was just open to every single opportunity that came by. And when I, so a quick little history. So I started my first business and five years in, so about the 2006 timeframe, it was doing multiple six figures, but I was working like a dog. I mean, I was working 80 hours a week and I, I was okay with that because it was my business and I was starting to make some money again, but I had no life whatsoever. And one day, one summer evening, Stephanie said, Hey, when are we going on vacation? It's been like, five years since you started your business. And I, th I started thinking, well, we could probably afford a vacation, but how am I going to take off? Because I literally was, I own the business, but I was the sole employee. I was doing everything. And if I go on vacation, who, who's even going to answer the phone? Um, I don't think Ring Central existed back then. <laughs> think, you know, think some of the technology we have today. But at any rate, I, I took that as an opportunity to reevaluate my current uh, my current plan, which was simply to keep growing, adding more customers. And I knew that I didn't want to have any employees per se. So I figured there must be a different way to do things. And it was right at that time when I read Think and Grow Rich for the first time. And that led me to another book. Um, called The New Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Yeah. Maxwell Maltz and Dan Kennedy. Yeah. And in one of those books, I can never remember exactly which one it is, there, there's, they explain this whole thing about leverage, number one, and the power of the subconscious mind. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just like a sponge. I mean, I, I felt like I was an entrepreneur. I'm growing, but I just wanted to grow bigger, better, faster, you know? And there was a question It said, you want to ask yourself this question, ask your subconscious mind this question. So I'm going to tell you uh, the question that I asked myself and, and this is, and then people can take that question and, and they can fit it to, to their lifestyle. So I said, what do I have to do to leverage my skill and my talent in creating newsletters, but instead of being paid one client at a time and then hoping, wishing, and praying they come back next month, next quarter, or anytime next year, I can sell those services to multiple people. And within a month or so, Chris, I started learning about internet marketing and I started meeting different people. I invested in a program by Corey Rudel, one of the early pioneers of internet marketing, and I started learning all about this. And next thing I know, I, I launched No Hassle Newsletters and I created this amazing program and I had two paid members. <laughs> and, and But then I grew to 10 and 20 and 30 and I literally had hundreds of clients in nine different countries using my program and from there I started adding different businesses I grew to uh, no hassle social media concierge print and mail on demand 
uh, custom article generator. And all of these businesses that I started were because my customers were asking me for either that service or asking me to refer somebody that I knew that might perform, perform that service. And eventually, Chris, I said to myself, I can do referrals or I can create revenue streams. And that's how I created so many revenue streams. I was just reading this morning, just thinking what you said there. I was reading uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, and I, I wrote a quote down which said, don't stop, don't even think about stopping until you get there, and don't give much thought to where there is, which um, you know, is, is quite interesting. You know, but when you talk about the way this has grown um, without not necessarily knowing the end point. I, I think I'd also you know, very much agree with you. Those two books that you mentioned there, Think and Grow Rich and Psycho-Cybernetics, if anyone's listening to this and not read those books, um, I think they're two musts. Um, I think they're two fantastic books. Yeah. Um, I, I know we have a break coming up, but maybe after the break, I want to talk to you about what I call transition. It's a very important part of growing a business. So uh, uh, hopefully we have time for that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do that. Um, and just before we do that, I think what you started to articulate before the break um, there about maybe what, what a dream business is and what it isn't. And what it isn't is maybe earning lots of money, but having no time to do the things that you really want to do. I mean, is there any other th- clues of what a dream business actually is? Yeah, but um, let me address the other thing first. You know, when most people start a business, they do so because they want to achieve financial freedom instead of busting hump and hoping for a 1% raise or maybe 3% if your boss is really generous. You know, you want to put in that time. Becoming an entrepreneur, while the failure rate is still high, becoming an entrepreneur is undoubtedly one of the best ways that you can create financial freedom for yourself. But there is a point where you start achieving financial freedom and your bank accounts are flush. Retirement is no longer going to look like 30 years of ramen noodles. And all of a sudden, you start wanting other things such as time freedom and quality of life. And that's what brought me into five years ago when I said, I don't want to keep up this pace as much as I enjoy business and, and, and I love the money. I want to have a different lifestyle. And I actually got very clear on what that lifestyle looked like. Like I said, I wanted to work three days a week and then be off four days. Yeah. Yeah. So that make, makes sense. Thought about it in stages. Um, so we're going to go to commercial break now. Um, after the break, we're going to come back. There'll be more from Jim Palmer. We'll talk about um, uh, transition and uh, lots and lots of other things and, and some great thoughts and tips and ideas around you know, um, the uh, concept of just say yes and launching your dream business. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jim Palmer. We're talking about about just say yes and launching your dream business. And in the first segment, I've, I've absolutely loved talking to Jim and hearing his story around um, where he's living at the moment and the kind of lifestyle that he has, um, but also how he really developed his business. You know, not necessarily having a full vision for it, but it's you know it's, it's developed as he's moved along. As has once the money came, um, maybe what was really really important to then do next. Um, so, Jim. Let's um, let's sort of move on a little bit now. You started before the break. You really wanted to talk about something called transition. So, yeah, here's here's your opportunity. Okay. Well, Chris, right before the break, you also asked me what is a dream business. So I, w- I want to answer that, and I'll move into the transition. Yeah. So, my definition of a dream business is it continues to grow even during a crappy economy. A dream business has multiple streams of revenue. A dream business becomes an asset for worry-free retirement. It's always firing on all cylinders, and it's fun to operate. It provides the lifestyle you want and deserve, and it allows you to give back and make a difference in the lives of others. That's my definition, and that's what I, I teach at my events and things like that. The, the fun part, uh, so we were talking about, I think the question you asked me, Chris, was did I know all of this was going to unfold? And it was absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fun thing about a transition, and, and, and not only have I experienced it, but now, you know, through my coaching program, I get to work with different entrepreneurs and help them grow their dream business. And one of the, one of the um, I don't know if I want to use the word scary, but I can't think of another one. So one of the scariest points is when you're transitioning from the current business model you have now <clears throat> into what's going to be the dream business. Because very often what you're doing now uh, may be okay. It got you to where you want to be, but it's not working really well. And as you transition and we create better marketing and different brands, and ultimately we we help you charge more and you know create higher streams of revenue, the, the current business, uh, customers, followers, fans, even on social media that know you for who you are now, they start rebelling a little bit. It's very often I've got more than one client that's, <clears throat> excuse me, experiencing a little rebellion among the current folks who are paying a uh, much lower price than than my client will be charging as she moves forward. And so the transition, you don't always get to know what it's going to completely look like, but you know it's going to be awesome. And and sometimes I tell people it's kind of like a real, it's like a real big uh, painting or maybe a mural. But you're all you're looking at are a lot of open cans. Say you're looking at ten gallon sized cans of paint, which when it's done, it's going to be beautiful. But you don't know what it is until you start moving forward and and figuring it out. So if that makes sense, you don't always get to know what the what the plan is. All you need to know is I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be saying yes to opportunities that are going to help me advance my business and, and help me earn more money. 
I think um, one of the things I certainly found from coming from the corporate world and then setting a company and then really setting one up uh, more around what I was really, really interested in is is that um, th- there's nothing like setting up your own business to really learn about yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses and, uh, you know, and, and, ch- and be challenged, I think, uh, more so, I found anyway, than in some quite sort of senior corporate roles. But one of the things I, I want to just explore with you um, now is it's very easy when you set up your own business to have really high expectations, like you're going to, in the first year, you're going to earn what you were earning when you were in corporate life, if, you, if that's your transition. Um, I, I love a quote that I mentioned quite regularly by Tony Robbins, which is, um, he said that people um, significantly overestimate what they can achieve in a year, but significantly underestimate what they can achieve in 10. So I'm just interested in your thought, you know, around your dream business and, and realistic sort of timescales. I think he's entirely right, and I, I I have a slightly different way to say it, but I I, I always say the microwave it, the microwave oven is the worst invention in the world for entrepreneurs, <laughs> because you can go to the you can go to the microwave oven in your kitchen, you can cook a full size Thanksgiving style meal in like three and a half minutes, but that but there is no technology that's going to in, increase or advance or significantly uh, expedite the growth of a dream business and the number one, um, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things you can do to, to make sure it happens. But one of the biggest challenges that people fail to see, and this is where Tony says it's 10 years, is that every business, whether it's a, a product or a service related business is built on relationships. So whether it's your marketing or your referrals or people go to your website, they maybe they opt in and check out some information. There's a lot of things that go on where people finally get to meet you, but to advance that to the no like and trust where they want to hire you, you know, God forbid they want to pay you for one of your expensive programs, that happens over time. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 people are listening and and, and let's say you're married, um and you, you, with the, the, when you went on a first date with who's now your spouse and you said, boy, I really love you. I think you're hot. I want to have a lot of kids with you and live forever. That marriage wouldn't have happened because that person would have ran away saying, ooh, icky, right? So you, you can't – just because you, you want it bad enough doesn't mean you're going to advance it. Um, that you're not going to be able to do it that quickly. And I think what's interesting, and I don't know if Tony has any uh, scientific evidence, but what I've noticed also is 10 years is a good mark for when most businesses turn the corner in a very big way. Like you can grow a business. I mean, you can absolutely grow a six-figure business in a year or two years, whatever. But 10 years, you've achieved so much stability. You have such a uh, hopefully you have such a roster of satisfied clients and things like that, that your business really takes on almost a new life, a, a new sense of uh, security, if you will. Um, and so t- it's, it's some sort of an unscientific mark. So I, I do agree with, t- you know, Tony Robbins on the 10 year figure. Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of, you know, also you, you're bringing other people along potentially if you, you know, you're, if you're married and your partner might be used to you, maybe earning a good income doing something else, then you kind of, you know, th- almost cut to some people throw that away and become an entrepreneur. Um, and it takes a bit of faith from others, doesn't it? You, you know, it really does. It, it, you know, Chris, you said something earlier about when you're an entrepreneur, you really have to learn about yourself because nobody's really directing you anymore. I mean, even if you were a senior level VP, there's still somebody higher than you, the, the president, chairman, CEO, whoever that is. So <clears throat> if, if, if it's okay with you, I want to share a quick story how, yeah, I, how I, I had to get real with myself. So in 2009, after I had grown the different 
internet businesses, some different people were asking me how I was doing that. And that's when I started my coaching program. And after uh, a couple of years, I think I had 15 clients at the time. So, I mean, not horrible, but I really wanted to grow a much faster pace and, and, you know, be able to charge more. And I ended up joining this um, mastermind, which has some very successful uh, entrepreneurs and coaches in it. One, one gentleman in particular had a multi-million dollar coaching business. So I really wanted to learn from, from that person. And there were things that, that I was not doing in my business because you know what, I was the owner of my business and no one was going to make me if I didn't want to do them, if that makes any sense. You know, when, when you want to have a coaching business, one of the best things you can do is you can do interviews, you should be speaking, whether it's in front of a room of 30 or 50 or 500, you should be a speaker, you should be an author, all these different things. And I, I was kind of resisting them along the way because honestly, Chris, you know, head trash is, is a very big part of the entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey where the little voice in your head is is always telling you no or you know things like that or oh you're going to get hurt you're going to get embarrassed you're going to lose the money things like that and so I, I call this my most embarrassing moment I, I believe I wrote about it and just say yes and this gentleman took me aside on on, on one of the breaks out, out at our meeting and he said Jim I'd like to ask you a question and I said sure he said um how is it that you think you're entitled to achieve the same level of success as other people, even friends and peers in this room, yet I don't see you doing the same type of marketing and putting in the same type of effort and, frankly, putting the same amount of skin in the game and by way investing in yourself that they are doing? Like, How do you think that's even reality? And Chris, I call that my most embarrassing moment because I knew for a fact my face turned about 50 shades of red. I felt very embarrassed. <laughs> I, I felt I was called out, right? It was kind of like somebody put the mirror to your face. And that was a very big turning point for me because I'd never wanted that to happen again. And there were so many things. I learned to be a very good public speaker. I do my own live events. I've authored seven books. I mean, I, started, I have basically kicked every fear to the curb that was holding me back. And that is what entrepreneurs have to do. I mean, there are so many small business owners that have what I might call ordinary businesses. But if you want to have an extraordinary business, you have to do extraordinary things. You have to be willing to do the hard things that most people are not going to do. That's the only way you're going to get into that that upper class, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a message that I, I really really do hear from um, successful people like yourself, Jim, very regularly, you know, that that need to really embrace fear and overcome it and really put in that um, that, that hard work uh, and, and, and effort and keep moving forward, um, however painful it might uh, might be. And so it sounded like you got some good advice at that moment. So actually, you know, that advice that you got just then probably was a turning point, was it? It was a, that was a big turning point for me, and I did a lot of things to overcome fears, and we don't have time to go into them today. But if people want to read about them, they're in my book called Decide. That was my ultimate, uh, that was my mindset book, and I share a lot of stuff there. But you really, you really have to uh, man up or woman up if you're going to have a substantial income. There's no two ways about it. You you have to do the hard things. Yeah, yeah. I've got well. Next time you were in the London Underground, one one thing I did, which. Um, I saw as a turning point as I decided to speak to uh, an entire carriage of people on the London Underground um, to try and overcome my fear of speaking in public. Um, led to me in the same day having to speak to 200, which is more people than I'd ever spoken to before. But um, that was quite a good uh, a good little test or challenge if anyone's listening. Um, ha- have a go at that. <laughs> yeah. So right. when you say carriage, does I'm just is that like you? Is that a big bus or just so I 
can understand, or is that like a well, horse there, carriage? What are you so talking I guess, about? No, no, I mean, aren't you on the underground, like on the, you know, the, the metro? Oh, in the subway. Oh, subway, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, so I, I was on a 28, I was on a self-development course in London, and we were asked to overcome a fear overnight. And uh, I said that I would, um, one of the things that I really was scared of was speaking in public, um, particularly on the underground. So um, the challenge that I set for myself was to speak to a, a full carriage of people on the underground which uh, I could have probably got away with when I got on the tube uh, underground with two people and a dog. Um, but actually, I, I couldn't look up the courage. I was about three stops from Oxford Circus when I, I suddenly sort of said to the, to the audience, to the to people in the crowd, I'm not mad, which that meant people thought I was, um, but I'm on a self-development course. And I'm very nervous about speaking to people on the underground. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if today maybe we could all kind of shake hands or say hello just for a change? And it had quite a profound effect on some people. One person jumped off the carriage onto the next um, carriage at, uh, when the train stopped, but quite a lot of people shook hands. And then it was mentioned on the course that I was on um, from the stage that someone had been seen doing this. And if they were there, would they speak? So I then had the opportunity to speak to 200 people and tell them my story. Um, Chris, so. I got to tell you, man, my hat is off to you. I would, if we weren't separated by an ocean, I'd shake your hand. And go, That's <laughs> incredible. I mean, that. But listen, that is exactly the right thing to do. You had to jump in, and and now I know because we talked a few days ago. You do get up regularly and speak to groups of people. Um, I, I do, and uh, you know that was a real turning point. And I used to, I used to see, and I don't know if you were the same, Jim, but I used to see in my mind um, lots of really happy people watching me. Um, from a stage, but I also inside me, I, the, the thought really terrified me. So, and, but that thought wouldn't go away. So I had to keep leaning into it. Um, and, you know, and, and I still, still do lean into it. You know, sometimes I, it's when I do speak, I come across as very calm and very controlled, but actually I'm still out, do have butterflies before I start. So, Chris, let me ask you this. Do you think there's uh, people listening right now that, that struggle with confidence and, and feel the need to be perfect before they act? I, I would say that uh, that's probably nearly everybody, isn't it? It is. So if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to give them a strategy that, that might help them. It's not an overnight yeah. thing, but it, it's something they can do. Do. Okay. So the reason people uh, like, like myself, I, I held off writing a book because I feel like I'm very challenged with the English language. And if my name's going to be on the book, I don't want people knowing I'm such a boob. I mean, all the things that you say to yourself, right? And then um, the same thing with speaking and, and doing videos. I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to look goofy on video. I got a yeah. funny voice. I just didn't like myself. And I was like, oh, I can't get a new video. But I got over all that. And, and here's, this is a turning point. First of all, you have to realize that, you know, so, uh, actually, if this is going to be an alarm bell for some people, you're not perfect, okay? <laughs> there is no perfect person. Everybody's got some kind of a challenge or funny little thing about them. But what you have to do, you have to, you have to make a decision that you're going to decide to be judged on the quality of the content and the information and the value that you're providing and not the imperfect way in which you provide it. And other, there's an expression that the truth shall set you free. So if you just agree that it's okay to be who you are, like I know for a fact I say wrong things during the interviews and I can't think of the right thing to say, but all I want to do is focus on the value and the content and share. And I fully know and I will appreciate and own up to the fact that I am an imperfect person and the content and value that I share, even in my coaching program, 
program might be done in an imperfect way. But if you look through that and just grab onto the good stuff, that's going to make a difference. So if somebody's struggling right now that they don't want to speak or they don't want to write a book or they don't want to do anything because they're going to fear criticism, don't fear it. You, if you fully realize and appreciate that the skill and talent you have, if you believe in, in your heart, mind, and soul and every fiber of your being that what you do is going to add value to somebody's life, then you go out there and do it in a bold way and don't worry about the naysayers. The only people who are going to poke sticks at you, believe me, are the people who aren't doing the same things themselves. Those are the only, mostly by and large, the naysayers, the people that will write horrible comments on Facebook, those people are really struggling themselves and we should probably pray for them, but after we curse them out in our own head. But, you know, those are the only people who are, who are picking at you are the people who are, are, are probably jealous of what you've been able to achieve. Well, I think, um, I, I think what I take from that, I think, I think we're all perfectly imperfect. Uh, there's no, no such thing as, as, as perfection. I think the, one of the things when it comes to video and that, that, and that we all, and the same with radio, I don't like listening to myself back particularly. And that, that's because the way that we hear our voice in our head is different to the way that everybody else hears it. Um, so you hear it how everybody else hears it. So there's a there's a, di- a, a, a difference, isn't there, which can be a little bit off, a little bit off-putting to us. Um, it is, and, and we're very we we tend to be very hard on ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, when I when I shot my first video, I was really thinking I need to. I thought if I'm going to be sharing business advice, I need to be somewhat more of a serious businessman and and not the constant laughing jovial person i usually am you know what i mean and i thought so i tried being a little serious and it just felt so unnatural and then i just started being a little bit more myself i I started shooting videos with my dog uh, at the time toby walking on the lake and just trying to put in a little entertainment value and the the reason i say entertainment what i mean by that is i didn't just want to stand in front of my bookcase and shoot videos so i started shooting them in the backyard or doing whatever we're doing or in my kayak people started reacting oh i love kayaking and i thought that's interesting i never hear anybody say wow you're you're your business acumen is off the charts, Jim. You're so brilliant. But they always say, oh, we love Toby. <laughs> it's fun to see him <laughs> yeah. in the kayak. So yeah. I started sharing more of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my uh, one of my, uh, the marketer who works with us, Tracy, she created a video with, with a, a dog in it about her business. And it had 28,500 hits within a few hours. It was the dog, you know. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, some good things to say, but people people love that. Um but that was really great to um, to talk to you about those things. I think those um, you know we all feel that fear and we all have you know things that get in in, in our way and we just like you do, Jim. We just have to keep um, facing into those. Then it gets a bit easier, doesn't it? But I think the one thing I really take, Jim, from what you've said is that and if we don't go and do this, we're actually doing a disservice um, to the world and to ourselves because we all have a lot of value to add. And, and, and the more we put out there, the more criticism we're going to get, but also the more people who are going to get huge value from, you know, what people like Jim uh, are now saying. So um, great, great segment there. When we come after the break, we shall talk a little bit more about some, maybe some practical tips around launching that dream business. So I'll be back with you again and with, and with Jim in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called 
the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Jim Palmer. I'm having lots of fun talking about Just Say Yes. And um, actually, Jim, in the break, um, you were just talking there about um, a bit of feedback you got on your first book. Uh, Do you want to share that? Because it sounded like it was quite an interesting story. It was really one of the ways, Chris, that I discovered not being imperfect is okay. So when I wrote my first book, uh, The Magic of Newsletter Marketing, it took me about 18 months. It actually took me a year to write it and six months to get the courage to actually publish it. Um, and I, I've my last three books were done in 60 days. But when I wrote my first book and people liked it, and I remember getting this email from somebody, and he said, um, hey, Jim, I just thought you'd like to know on, on page 127, you have a dangling participle. I would have thought your editors would have caught that. <laughs> now, what? I, I know. I, to this day, Chris, I have no idea what a dangling participle is. And don't probably don't care to know but you know so my first but the, here's the thing my first reaction in my head was oh god i feared i was going to look like an english challenged idiot right i was worried and then so I, I sent him a reply and i said hey tom not know his name was i said hey tom thanks for letting me know i'm going to bring this up with my editors we'll have it corrected for the next printing hoping that we would need another printing at that point. And, um, and, but then the little voice in my head said, oh, ask this. So I, I said, comma, by the way, how did you like the book? And he wrote this long email back to me, said, Jim, I loved it. I, I now know the different types of content to put in a newsletter. I know the, the ratio. I know how to print it, what kind of paper you should use. I know how to fold it so it, it gets noticed and gets attention. He went on about all the stuff that he learned and he goes, thanks a lot for, for the book. And I promise when I got that email, Chris, I sat back in my chair, kind of rubbed my chin. I go, huh, what do you know about that? My imperfect book with the dangling participle, he loves it, and it taught him a lot of good information. And that was really when it became crystal clear to me that um, good information and good value provided is okay in an imp- is if it's delivered in an imperfect way. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but also I think he's probably in, in his own style, he thought he was being helpful. Um, and that's the other thing. I think he was being helpful. And I took it, my first reaction was, oh, no, I'm, how many other people are going to notice the dangling participle? But I think he was being helpful. And I, I, my, I admit my first reaction was probably a little over the top. Yeah, I suspect, Jim, he was probably in a minority with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody else. I've never met anybody else who knows what a dangling participle is. <laughs> English major, I guess. Yes, yes. No, it sounds, yes. 
interesting phrase. Um, so to Jim, it, you talk about uh, in your book about what ifs that hold most entrepreneurs back. Um, tell us what you mean by what ifs. Yeah, the interesting thing um, when Stephanie and I decided to sell our house and live on a boat, I started thinking about, and therefore the genesis of the book. I started thinking about the the commonalities from things we do in our in our personal life to things that we do in our business life. And <clears throat> when we when we decided to live on a boat, and I think initially we were both really excited, and I think there's a, a kind of a romantic part of, you know, hey, we're going to live on a boat, but I think there's a romantic part of most ideas that you're excited about, whether you're, whether you're going to go on a vacation to Hawaii or whether you're going to do whatever you're going to do. When you get excited about something, <clears throat> you, you, you know, you, you kind of fantasize about the good parts of it, but then the other side of your brain kicks in, Chris, and you start thinking about the, the what ifs. And in terms of um, living on a boat, I'll tell you this. I read this book. I read a lot of books from people who became liveaboards, which is the terminology. And there was one book by a gentleman who who is an entrepreneur. So I was really fascinated by his story. He's a writer and a musician. And and he said, you know, a lot of people think living on a boat is romantic and it'd be a fun thing to do. But most people don't do it because they play the what ifs. And they say, well, what if I don't know how to drive a boat? What if I run out of gas? Or if you're in a sailboat, I run out of wind? Or what if I I hit another person or we get lost or whatever it is? And he says, but every day you wake up and you face a different challenge in your personal life and in your business. And he says, what if you find out you're, you really are a good mechanic, you can fix that pump, and you, what if you just have the greatest adventure, you know, you figure out you're a badass boat driver and you're going a big adventure was his term. He says, and the only way you're going to know that is if you say yes, and that's the only way. And I thought from that point on, Chris, even though I had some of those what-if thoughts in my head, I said, you know what, I am going to figure this out. I will learn how to drive a 50-foot boat. I will learn how to how to dock it in a tight marina. I, we're going to learn how to navigate. We're going to learn it all as we go. It's going to be a big adventure. And that's why we said yes. And when you're an entrepreneur and you say, I'm going to start this business, you, or I want to grow my business or do whatever it is, you, you will become excited. You'll romanticize a little bit about the excitement of having it work out well. But then there's going to be, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I lose my savings? What if I, I embarrass myself? What if my wife, kids, or my parents think I'm a loser because I fail or whatever in the what ifs? And and really sadly for a lot of people who probably could have a very successful business, the what ifs are more powerful than the romantic part of, wow, this could be really cool. So you have to find a way, you have to find a way, and it really, I mean, there's a lot of tuning that goes on with the old brain box, so to speak, to to help yourself lean more on, on, on the courage and confidence you have and focus more on the end result and not necessarily the road you're going to have to travel to get there, if that makes any sense. Yes, yes. Yes, I certainly do, yes. It just got me thinking there about... Um last year when uh, about a what if um, and that was what if i'd um not let my wife talk me up to putting a bet on um, on my team winning the premier league uh, when it was 150 to one <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a big bet though wasn't it yeah well it was going to be a big bet but it was also i think um, a good chance that they were going to do it they were five they started off as five thousand to one and ended up winning which was quite amazing um so so um i think that's really really key isn't it that um you know to, to, we've only got probably only got one life so we want to make the most of it and 
Um, what I do realize is people who do go out there and they do achieve the, the sort of life that they dream of and the business that they want to is that they overcome those what ifs and they um, they get on and they do it do it anyway. Um, yeah, you also, but you're so, very true, Chris. We only have one life, right? And um, you know, I know you a little bit of my, my backstory. I had cancer in 2001, and not that I would wish that on anybody, but that really gave me clarity. Um, it gave me a new focus for how short life can be. Because when I was 41 years old, I, I, I don't know that I even thought about how long I was going to live, but I guess if somebody asked me, so I guess I'll be around another 40 years or 50 years, who knows? Um, but suddenly for a while, I'm like, wow, am I going to be around in five years? I didn't know. And so that really helps you to understand this thing about, well, maybe I'll do it in a couple of years. Or, you know, Stephanie and I at one point, well, maybe should we just wait one year? Should we learn should we take more courses and boating courses? And should we just study and should we go rent a boat somewhere? I don't know. We're thinking all these days, but you know what? I think we got to just say yes. And we just got to do this and figure it out. And, you know, I'll tell you what, when we drove our boat from Maryland to Rhode Island, uh, I had never driven a boat. First of all, this big, I've never driven a boat in the Atlantic ocean before. And, and some, we were for an hour in some pretty pretty big waves and wind and and it was kind of frightening but we when we got here we felt i gotta tell you we felt so alive chris and i think you know through the growth of my business and and things that we've done we've, we've been very blessed the last several years and but i think we we've i don't want to say we've been coasting because we're working you know we've been working hard but we it, it we weren't doing anything that was a stretch for us and I think when we got here for several days, we kept saying, saying to each other, can you believe what we just did? And it felt really <laughs> good. It felt really good to stretch, which to me, I've always said, if, if you want to win big, you have to play big. And when you want to play big, there is going to be risk. You know, small risking something very small is not going to produce a big return. Right. Um, so anyway, you, I could talk for another hour on that topic. It certainly seems that what you've done by by moving in this change of lifestyle as well as you've created you know an amazing story to talk about and weave into your work and um because it is it is a little bit different isn't it it is very different and um that was another part of it by the way when when we said yes initially in i guess june of 2016 uh and then there's i'm sure we both had our moments individually and maybe we even shared them together about well what if and should we wait and things like that um and ideally, when once we made it public and we, we shared with a little bit, first of our family and our kids and our neighbors, we started talking about it. There was a point where our house wasn't sold and we had yet to buy the boat and we hadn't sold our other boat. We could have, I mean, we could always say no, but I said, this is not going to be good for me if we say no, <laughs> because I'm always talking about taking a risk. We've already said we're going to do this. I don't want to look like a weenie here, you know. So it, there's, which by the way, it, it seems silly, but actually, uh, accountability and and having a little public pressure is a good thing. Every time I've, every time I've written a book, Chris, I've announced it and I've announced the public the publishing date, and I've always made it because I don't want somebody to say, "Oh, I thought you were going to do that last month." Well, you, yeah, I mean, in, in, in our book, The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not, we, t we talk about that, about um, let, let situations do the heavy lifting. And what you just described there is, is, you know, is a strategy there to, you know, you hung yourself by your tongue. You told a lot of people and that therefore gave you that extra accountability to act. Um, exactly. Which, uh, is a really good, really good strategy. 
Um, so um, I just want to, we've only got a few minutes left before the interview. In fact, we've got about four. So wow. uh, in, in chapter two, there were two F words. Let's talk about some F words. What, what, <laughs> what do they mean? Yeah, well, anybody who knows me knows if you're thinking of the one, I don't talk like that. But um, <laughs> the, two, the two F words, which there's a lesson there, by the way, it always gets attention. So that's a good thing. A headline, a chapter heading, they're pretty much the same. So the two F words that I talk about are fear and forgiveness. And, you know, we've talked an awful lot about fear and the what ifs. And so I'm going to kind of let that one lay there, Chris. But I want to talk about forgiveness because what I have learned uh, both from myself, because I really held my own growth back for, for a number of years. And now I see it with uh, people that I coach, other entrepreneurs that are trying to grow uh, more successfully successful business. There's a point um, when we we can't act, whether it means another investment financially or time or just whatever, getting off the dime in some way to move forward because we're, we're, we're harboring some ill feelings about decisions we've made that didn't work out. Um, you know, I, I had a coaching client who said, Jim, I really want to move forward with this, but I've spent $40,000 in the last couple of years and I'm no farther ahead. And and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it got you to where you are now. And to if you stop now because you feel bad that the $40,000 you invested didn't produce the result you wanted, that's that's going to be the end game. That's going to be what's written on your headstone, so to speak, not to be gruesome, but that's going to be your story. And you shouldn't let that happen. And I said, I, I can see that you feel bad about it. You feel like you've wasted that money. I can see you feel bad about that. I said, what you need to do is forgive yourself. Well, what do you mean? I said, what I've learned about forgiveness in, in my own faith is it's more about you than it is the other person. In this case, you're, it's not another person that has wronged you. You feel like you've wronged yourself and you feel bad about that. So you have to forgive yourself and move forward. Just accept the fact that you're not perfect. You're going to make some decisions. You'll probably make more that aren't going to work out well. And and you just got to keep moving forward because the minute you stop the progress because you, you let that kind of resentment overtake you, that's when the story ends. So that's I decided to write about that, Chris, because in, in all my books, I want to really get very real. I'm not, I don't write books and say, hey, plug this widget into your funnel and, and do this with Facebook ads and it's going to make a gazillion dollars. I really want to give some real world advice. And that what I've learned in, in the last three years alone with at least three different clients is that forgiveness piece was an important part of them moving forward. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Jim, we've got about a minute for any final messages that you'd like to leave us with. Sure. And this is um, a lot of people think whatever their skill and talent is, is going to carry the day. And if they can just get better at that, that's going to do it. So if you're a dentist, I'm going to clean teeth whiter, faster, better. I'm going to put more patients in and out of the chair. Or if you're an accountant, you're going to add numbers better than anybody, I guess, would be your skill. And it's not about your skill and talent. You you as an entrepreneur will earn significantly more income for who you are compared to what you do. The brand that you create for yourself, the marketing that you, you, you use to elevate that brand, to rise above the noise and to be seen as the go-to person in whatever niche that you, that you operate in, that is going to make you more money. So the deliverable is nowhere near as important. When you make that shift from going, I need to be better at what I do than better than, than saying, I'm going to be the best i'm going to be you go from being pursuing clients to being the pursued um the pursued guru or whatever you are in your uh in your niche jim absolutely brilliant talking to you we've got to end the show now i do want to say to people 
fascinating interview. Really love talking to you. Go and buy Just Say Yes, uh, create a, a dream business and live your dream lifestyle with Jim Palmer. You even get a free photograph of his boat on the front. Uh, and you can uh, you can imagine on there that you can you could take that boat away and you could put what your dream is in, in your head on the front of that boat and imagine, um, imagine what it is for you that's going to be your dream and move towards it with all the tips and ideas and thoughts in there. For more information, go to getjimparmer.com. Um, you can also check out his blog if you want to, which is ourfloatinghome.com. And on next week's show, we have Jutta Kleinschmidt. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Jutta. She's the first woman to win the Dakar Rally. She's probably the most successful woman ever in global motorsport. So I'm going to talk to her about lessons from the Dakar Rally uh, and her, her lessons from um, her her life and uh, you know, overcoming the challenges of becoming a, a female sports um, star and we're going to talk about the future of mobility as well so once again huge thank you to jim palmer um, do get in touch if you've got any comments thoughts feedback um, you can always get in touch at chris at chriscooper.co.uk uh, link in with us all on social media etc and uh, thank you very much for listening We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.